Welcome, welcome to another episode of Punt Intended, a fantasy NBA dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Rhett Bauer, joined once again by the wonderful Travis Fuller to talk about some dynasty rankings. Travis, how are you doing? Hey, Rhett, it's great to be back. It's been a, a very busy summer, new kids, new jobs, and of course, new rankings from us before the season gets underway. So really excited to dive deeper into these ranks that we both came up with. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a busy summer uh, in the NBA and on this side of the microphone. Um, so it's it's taken a little bit to get these rankings fine-tuned, and so that's why we're coming to you with them now. But before we get into the rankings, please be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you get them on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever. And also be sure to check out the Fantasy Pass over at Sports Ethos. You are going to be getting a lot of content from the sports ethos site. I've had a couple articles behind that as well. It's not terribly expensive. I think it's like $6 a month or something like that. But right now at this time of year for dynasty startup drafts for dynasty rookie drafts for even just in redraft, there's going to be so many resources out there that come along with the fantasy pass. And they're even doing some football ones right now, which is quite helpful because Travis and I have a fantasy football draft tonight that I have not thought about once until I got the invite this morning. So that's how we do things in our fantasy football league. But let's get into some dynasty rankings. We are going to start with the players that had the biggest changes from our last update, which was like trade deadline, maybe a month or so after the trade deadline. So most of these updates come firmly from this offseason. Maybe there's some slight adjustments there. But first and foremost, and not by any uh, intention at all. But Jalen Smith was the biggest change of the relevant guys that we wanted to talk about, obviously, because he goes from nothing on the Suns to being bumped up because he's playing with the Pacers to being proclaimed the Pacers starting power forward for whatever reason. So, Trav, we moved him up almost like 120 spots, and he's inside your top 100. He will be inside my top 100, depending on how the rest of these uh, moves go but t- talk to me why you have him uh, as high as you do well I think it's pretty simple it's just opportunity for him he showed what he was able to do when given the minutes he's really efficient uh, can score he's an absolute beast at getting rebounds I think that was the biggest surprise to me was just his ability to board and yeah you know as well as anyone as a Pacers fan uh, they need the guys that can grab some rebounds Miles Turner hasn't always been the best guy at cleaning up the board. So Jalen Smith's going to get 30 minutes starting in that four spot, a guy that can stretch the floor, do a little bit of everything. Um, and he's still only 22 years old. So we definitely have to keep that in mind when doing these dynasty ranks. And if he can really prove himself, uh, the sky's the limit for him moving forward and what he can provide for fantasy teams. Yeah. My only concern with him just because I'm so close to it is I'm not sure if he's going to be a five or a four, and I'm not sure which of those positions he can actually defend. And if he can't shoot, which the tail end of his Pacers tenure, he shot like 28% from three, whereas the first like 12 games or something, he shot 38 or 42, something like that. So like if his shot is real, I have no concerns. If his shot isn't real, then he better defend. And if he can't defend, then you're going to be looking at 
Phoenix Jalen Smith in a different uniform. So keep an eye on that. Obviously, if Miles Turner gets moved, then he's going to be firmly in the rotation, even if he does have those struggles, because hopefully the Pacers don't want to be good. Um, I think another thing, too, with him is he was a former lottery pick, a, yes. a top 10 pick. Yep. And we know in the NBA that there seems to be a, a trend to give those former lottery picks an extra year, an extra chance, uh, just because of of that talent evaluation that they have. Uh, in that scouting report that every team keeps, you know, tucked away. So that is also helping him uh, definitely in his favor moving forward as well. It is not helping out my man, Jarrett Culver right now, who is still unsigned, (laughs) but it's fine. We're just going to move on before I get sad. Uh, Next guy with one of the biggest changes uh, up 60 spots, rightfully so is Keldon Johnson. You have loved Keldon Johnson for a while. Uh, I remember talking about him. It's like, I, I don't think he's a four, but he's also big. So I don't really know what to do with that, but he moved up 60 spots and he's got a ranking of about 77 right now. Um, He's going to have just an insane opportunity this year on the Spurs, right? Uh, Without a doubt. I I can't wait to see his usage on that Spurs team. I wasn't a huge fan of him coming out of college. I didn't think, I didn't think he had a great jump shot. I didn't think he was an Uber athlete. Uh, or, or any of those above. So I'm really surprised at his progression. And he's just a really quality player, uh, definitely deserving of that four-year 80 mil that the Spurs gave him. And like I mentioned before, the biggest, one of the bigger jumps in our rankings strictly due to the amount of usage that he's going to get. And it's really exciting to see what he's going to be able to do with that. Yeah, and before we get even further, we talk a lot about guys who have more usage than is actually warranted. And that's going to be the case with Kelton Johnson this year, because he's not a primary. He should not be taking the most shots on a team, but last year, Kelton Johnson, 32 minutes a game playing next to DeJounte Murray and Derek white for most of the season. He scored 17 points a game. He was at 17, six and two with a little over two threes a game. He was 111th in nine cap for the season. Not great from the line, no defensive stats, but the the shots are there and, and the scoring is there. And that's one of the harder things to come by. So while this year may be a bigger role than he should have, we've seen him be able to be productive next to a ball dominant guard like DeJounte and even next to another fairly decent offensive player in Derek White. Yeah, I think. I think 20 points easy this year, without a doubt, he's going to be able to average 20 for you. I can see something like 27 and three, maybe three and a half if his playmaking can can improve as well, which um, at this rate, he's only you know going to be 23 years old. So without a doubt, he can make an improvement as far as his playmaking goes. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to give you the defensive stats that you might want from a wing player, but that's okay if he's not going to hurt you in percentages either. So just a really well-rounded player and look for him to definitely make the jump inside the top 100 this year as far as his ranking goes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Another guy who we moved up a lot, almost 60 spots once again, Isaiah Hartenstein, who is one of the hottest names, I feel like, just because of the opportunity that seems like is in front of him in New York, because we know Mitchell Robinson's limitations. He's good at what he's good at, which isn't it's he's not versatile at all, but Hartenstein is. Uh, he's been an advanced metrics 
monster. He's a per 36 monster has almost never played more than 17, 18 minutes a game. Like he did last year with the Clippers. So are we just expecting him to get 25 minutes a game and, and crank out something like 12, seven and four with a steal and a block and a half. Is that, is that kind of what we're expecting here? It's interesting. The love that Hartenstein is getting, because as you mentioned, he is a per minute monster when he's on the court, he's doing great things from a fantasy perspective, which is what we care about. And he landed in such a great spot. Do you really expect Mitchell Robinson at this point from what we've seen out of him in the past to get more than 30 minutes per game? I don't think we can count on that due to, whether it's injury, foul trouble. Uh, He's just had a lot of issues that has kept him from being the superstar that he can be on the defensive end and give us those monster fantasy numbers. So Hartenstein has a great chance to step into that role, that Nerlens Noel role that I know you've taken advantage of over the previous years. And even if he gets 20 to 22 minutes, as long as he's getting that consistently, he's easily going to average over a block. He's going to get you close to a steal and he's going to shoot close to 70% from the field. And you know how well doing those three categories can really improve your rank. Yeah, and he's even got a couple dimes coming out there. Um, I don't know how that's going to work with Julius Randle and RJ Barrett, um, but I'm not really that concerned about it. I will say we have Hartenstein at 142 as his average ranking. I think that there is a chance – we are getting ahead of ourselves when it comes to his fantasy impact balancing with his real life impact, because there's only a certain amount of guys who are permanent monsters who the league actually end up giving 30 minutes a game to, right? Like we've talked about this with the Anthony Melton for years and Memphis never did it. We'll see if Philly does it, but you have to be really careful about, letting his fantasy value outpace his real life value and valuing him so much that you end up getting burned. If he does end up just being a 20 minute per game player. And there's nothing wrong with that. As far as if he, if he gets 20 minutes a game, I think that's fine. He's going to be a roster role player without a doubt. But as you mentioned, don't, don't be drafting him in those startup dynasty drafts. Don't be drafting him at his peak on what you think he can do. Um, Try and get him to what, is more realistic and what we all expect. Now, as I mentioned, Mitchell Robinson, he's they're definitely going to split time. I could see that even being close to a 50-50 split as far as minutes go. Um, Robinson, I don't think, has averaged more than 28 minutes per game throughout his entire career. Um, again, a lot of that just doing to due to foul trouble, injuries, and the sort. So that's where I see Hardenstein taking that huge leap. He's going to get an increase in minutes, and we're hoping that the statistics can follow. Yep, for sure. Robinson, not durable and uh, played 28 minutes a game last year, 20, or I'm sorry, 28 minutes a game in 2020, 2021. And that was the most of his career. So at the very, very least, you're looking at 20 minutes a game in the games that Imrob plays, but he only played 31 games that year. So Hartenstein could very well end up averaging close to 26, 27 minutes a game just by being a solid backup and a great fill-in. So another New York Nick, we're going to move on to Jalen Brunson, who jumped up 46 spots into about 80. Um, We don't love Jalen Brunson as a real-life player, and his fantasy game is decently well-rounded. No defensive stats, but he's efficient. He can score. He can assist. uh, Hits some threes a little bit. So 
I think that this is very opportunity driven. Would you agree? Especially without Mitchell now in New York. It's definitely opportunity driven. The Knicks, we, as we all know, has have needed a point guard, a true point guard for years now. And it seems like they finally got one. Now, did they have to overpay? I think so, but yep. <laughs> uh, that's, that's not for me to make that decision. Uh, but without a doubt, Brunson is looking to have prime for a big year this year. He's he's been able to score. He's not a great shooter from three, or at least from what we've seen, he doesn't attempt a lot of threes. But he's so good at getting to the rack. He has so many different moves uh, down low, especially against smaller guards where he can use his strength. And he's just really crafty. And that's really what's allowed him to shoot 50% from the field back-to-back years. Now, with a higher volume, I wonder if he's going to be able to continue to to shoot that efficiently from the field, but he's also really good at the free throw line. Um, I believe his assists are definitely going to bump up over five this year, or at least you'd like to think so. So whether, regardless of whether he regresses a little bit, as far as efficiency goes, we should see an increase in counting stats to offset that. Yeah, for sure. And so he does go from Luca, who's one of the highest usage players in the league to Julius Randle and RJ Barrett, which Luca had 21 shots a game last year. Randle had 17 and Barrett had 17 as well. So there's a chance that that volume doesn't rise that much. I mean, it should because they paid him like a starting caliber point guard who should be taking more than 13 shots a game. But one of the underrated parts about Brunson specifically is last year, 32 minutes a game, 4.8 assists, 1.6 turnovers. That is a sneaky beneficial part of a guy like Brunson, whose ranking is going to be helped quite a bit by just not turning the ball over. And in these shallow leagues, you guys know that it's mostly punting turnovers, but this is one guy who like you can get some assists without ruining your turnovers. And you might be able to squeeze a little bit more value there. um, Assuming that he doesn't just start throwing the ball away in New York with uh, additional ball handling opportunities. Uh, Ironically, uh, the guy right below Jalen Brunson in nine cat last year is the next player on our list who raised uh, 44 spots in our dynasty rankings. And that's Cam Johnson. This is, I feel like his dynasty evaluation might be falling behind his actual production, but there's also a reason for that. So last year, Cam Johnson, 26 minutes a game, 13 points, two and a half threes, four boards, one and a half assists, or yeah, one and a half assists, and then 0.9 steals on 46.86. And it's his first year of actually being efficient. Like it is a, it could be a fluke. I don't think that it is. I like Cam Johnson. I've always liked Cam Johnson, but this kind of doesn't even reflect the chance that Jay Crowder actually ends up getting traded from Phoenix. Like some of the rumors out there are suggesting. So could we see Cam Johnson break towards the top 100 in dynasty rankings if that happens? Yeah, Cam Johnson's a definitely, I don't know about you, but he's definitely a player that every year I seem to move up a little bit higher, a little bit higher. Even though he's a year older, I continue to move him up a little bit higher in the dynasty ranks. And a lot of that's due to opportunity. A lot of it's due to just his growth as a shooter and as a player. When he came into the league, it almost seemed like, okay, this guy's just going to be pretty much a 3 and D type guy. But he's shown to be a little bit more than that. He's starting to flash a little bit more game. Um, the defensive numbers, he almost averaged a steal last year at 0.9, which is great. 
Uh, so he's starting to see a little bit of improvement there as far as getting the steals because he is a solid defender. But there's also, we all know, there's a lot of really good defenders that don't give us the, the stats to show it. Um, so it's nice to see him increase his steals. But the biggest thing for me is that efficiency as you hit on. Starting to be able to to shoot at a better clip, especially from deep, um, and attacking the basket a little bit more, getting more free throws because he's a great free throw shooter as well. We'll see if Crowder's traded. He's in the last year of his contract, so regardless of if he's traded or not, it looks like Cam Johnson can step into that role, and he is just now entering his prime at 26 years old. So he was an older rookie, but he's also a guy that's starting to improve at more of a rapid rate, which is what you have to see out of those rookies that come into the league at 24 years old. It's also, I believe he's up for an extension right now. So if you think that Cam Johnson is a part of Phoenix's future, he's going to get extended. If they're going to extend him, there's no chance that they bring back Jay Crowder. Like you're not going to extend a guy like Cam Johnson for the 15 to $18 million a year that he's going to be worth and not start him. So the 26 minutes a game that he got last year, bump that up to 30. And all of a sudden you're looking at a heck of a fantasy player. Uh, next guy should not be a surprise at all. The only surprise is that Travis moved him up to the exact spot that I had him, and that is Markel Fultz moving all the way up to 108, which might be underselling him a little bit with a little bit of a hedge in there. Moving up 40 spots. I love Markel Fultz, so I'm going to let you talk about Markel Fultz because these people have heard me talk way too much about him. <laughs> What's hilarious, though, is we when we do our rankings, so Rhett does his own personal rankings. I do my own personal rankings. We don't look at each other's. Two completely then, different sheets. We never check each other's stuff. Yep, and then we just come together. Um, we combine them. We take a peek. We do make some adjustments uh, based on just each other's feedback and, and reasoning. But for the most part, we pretty much keep it as is. And that's how we basically get um, our ranking. So it's really interesting that we both had Fultz at 111 uh, and moved him up into that position. Look, I love Fultz, too, as a player. I have not given up on him when he had all those multiple injuries, uh, when he, you know, changed his shot and was making those adjustments as well. And the reason is, is he's he's always been really good at a couple things. And that's on the defensive end. He's always been great at getting you over a steal. And his field goal percentage from a guard position has always been very, very solid. And I know you love those guys that can get you five assists, a steal, and shoot 48, 50% from the field. It's very rare. It's hard to find. And Fultz is one of those guys that you can not only get out of that from a stat set, but also get him later in your drafts when you're sitting there. You already have one elite guy that's going to get you assists, and you're sitting there like, oh, shoot. There's not a lot of assists outside the top 100 guys once you get back there. And Fultz is one of those guys that can give you that. And I think that's why we find him on so many teams, um, at least your teams, because of that stat set that he can give you. He doesn't really hurt you anywhere. My only concern with him and why he's not higher for a 24-year-old point guard is just the competition that he has on his own team. Uh, that's the only thing that really concerns me is how much playing time is he going to get? Are we going to see close to 30 minutes? Or are we going to see more 24, 25 minutes? That's my biggest concern with him. Yeah, it's really tough to know if those magic guards are going to just cannibalize each other in that regard. Like, are you going to be able to see enough of any of them to know for sure, like, okay, this is the direction that we're moving. I think there is because I think that Suggs and Fultz should be unquestionably the starters with Cole Anthony off the bench. But yeah, I mean, you, you said it, 
assists, steals, actually a good real life player too. That's I, I can't stress that enough that the magic last year with Marco Fultz on the floor were good. Maybe Paolo takes some of those touches away. I'm not sure. I think his free throw shooting is a little bit underrated and, uh, you know, he, he came into the league shooting 47%, 56%, and then 73-89 in eight games in 2020-2021. So really small sample size. But 18 games last year, he shot 81% on about two a game. So again, small sample, but still a player that I am very excited to see this year. Uh, another guy to this, talk before about. We move, this is definitely, for me at least, this is a make or break year for him. Yes. If, if he has another injury, if he starts to lose playing time, yep. if that free throw percentage tanks again, whatever it may be, you're going to see him tumbling down at least my rankings for sure. So I'm definitely betting on his upside and betting on the improvements that we've seen with him. The reason I have him ranked where I do. All right, let's move on to some guys who had the the biggest differences um, in like a relevant like ranking range, right? So we're talking like the 150 and under. Um, a couple vets right off the top. Russell Westbrook, we were uh, 30 spots different on. Gordon Gordon Award, 20 spots different. Mike Conley, 20 spots different. Buddy Heald, 15 spots different. And I think those rankings are basically useless because I don't think any of those guys are, I guess Hayward's probably going to be on the Hornets, but the rest of those guys are not going to be on the team. They're currently on by the time the, the season ends this year, the trade deadline rolls around. So not really worth talking about them, but I thought it was interesting that you had a guy like Russell Westbrook up to 115, whereas I have him closer to the 150 range. Yeah. And all four of those guys you mentioned, I have higher than you. So um, you've definitely tumbled, <laughs> you tumbled them down your rankings more so than I did. I think that's more just me being a little bit more aggressive with them. And and you see a lot of teams that are, you know, startup dynasty leagues that are win now where those type of players, you know, once you get outside that top 100, top 120, these are the type of guys you're going to see them going after the Gordon Haywards, the Mike Conley's that are really going to give you a, a boost for those first, you know, couple years in a dynasty startup, or even if you're trying to win now, um, given a young player for a guy like Gordon Hayward, who I think is in for a very good season, uh, is, is going to be really beneficial in those championship hopes. So that's the reason I don't bump them down too, too much. Um, but it's definitely warranted uh, depending upon your your thinking and the way you like to draft as far as uh, dynasty startups go. Yeah, for sure. These guys are very hard to value because if you value them, you probably have them and you're probably a good team and you should have them higher. But as far as like a general consensus, as far as general trade value, it is very hard to have guys like Mike Conley and Gordon Hayward up as high as what they might be valued to a contender because they're just old. They're very injury prone and uh, it's, it's just hard to count on those guys. So we talked about Marco Fultz. Let's just talk about the rest of the Orlando backcourt with Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs. Now, we talked a little bit before we got on that you weren't going to punish Suggs, which I agree with, and I think that's the right way to go about it, even though I did drop him a lot. I, I should probably fix that. Um, we were 25 spots different on both of these guys. You have Cole Anthony around 115. I have him around 140. You have Jalen Suggs at 61, and I have him around 84. So I think... You said it with Suggs, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt because last year was just atrocious in every aspect, not even just for him, but just like a health-wise, a team context-wise, and just couldn't really get his feet under him. Cole Anthony at 113, 
that's just wrong. I'm sorry. That's just wrong. I don't think that's I don't think that's <laughs> where you should be. But if Fultz if Fultz fizzles out again and Cole Anthony gets back to doing what he was doing last year, you could be right for sure. And and that's where I saw where I put Markel Fultz, and I thought, okay, Cole Anthony really can't be that much far behind him, uh, just given the fact that there's a real possibility that Fultz fizzles out and Cole Anthony could be the guy. So um, that's definitely why I try to rank them somewhat similar. I know their skill sets are are really vastly different, but at the same time, they both have positives. They both have negatives. And you mentioned it with Jalen Suggs. I did move him down. I believe I moved him down um, roughly six, eight spots, um, more so due to the rookies coming in and some guys improving a lot. But I, as you mentioned, I didn't want to penalize him too much. He had a very injury-riddled year, never really got his feet under him, um, and just felt like he had one of the worst rookie seasons that you could have, uh, especially for a player of his caliber and his talent. So I'm looking to see a big bounce back from him, regardless of if he starts or comes off the bench. Um, we He got to flash a little bit of his potential, and honestly, I think he can be one of the league leaders in steals. Um, even if he can get close to 28 minutes a game, I can... I can see him averaging over one and a half steals per game or getting close to that number. And that's pretty elite for me and and why I definitely want to keep the 21 year old point guard uh, in the back of my mind when I'm still drafting inside that, that top 80 range. Yeah, for sure. The drew holiday comp that I I can't remember who came up with it, or maybe it was a pre-draft profile I read, but that just sticks in my head as just the perfect example of a guy who's a legit defender. Who's going to get you some assists. He's going to, his shot is a little bit iffy. Drew's is not anymore. Like I, we know that, but that comp sticks in there. So I think you are justified for having him uh, still in the top 80, 70 range. So another guy you have a lot higher than I do, and you actually moved him up a bunch. I thought I was aggressive moving him up 15 spots. You moved him up 25 and that's Onyeka Okongwu who comes in at number 68 in our rankings. Um, we think he's going to overtake Capella, right? I'm just a little bit more concerned about the fantasy ceiling that he has as like a well-rounded player to be able to get into the top 40 or something. Cause like when you're taking a young big at 60, like if he keeps finishing in the top 60, like, okay, technically you had value, but like, there has to be more upside with that. And I think that's the only concern for me with Okongwu is I'm not sure what he's going to do to get into that top 40. And I also have to keep a Nate McMillan tax on there because he just hates young players. So, Yeah, it's definitely a huge leap and it's definitely a huge risk anytime you're drafting a player of his age and uh, technically a backup center inside the top 60 there. But I, I can't see the Hawks not giving him more playing time this year. He, he played a much better than Capella did down the stretch. The team just looks a, like a lot better team when he's in there. Uh, defensively, he can move his feet a lot better. He's not the physical imposing force that Capella is, but he fits so well. He can switch. He can guard guards, wings, bigs, um, just so much more versatile. And I, I just love his game. He, I think he can easily average close to two blocks this year if you can give him 25 minutes a game or if he can at least be a 50-50 split with Capella this year. And there's a good chance that Capella could be on the move within whether it's this year or next year. So um, I'd rather be a year ahead and getting a Kongu and maybe have to wait out uh, a year until he earns those 30 minutes per game. Uh, but that's where that's kind of my justification for having that ranking is just wanting to be a, a year ahead, kind of get that upper hand with him uh, rather than being a year behind where it's too late. And now I just missed out on a on a center, a young center, which we know are 
really difficult to find that's averaging a steal in two blocks a game. Yeah, for sure. It, it's the versatility with Okongwu is the thing for me. Like when you watch him defensively, he can just do a lot of things. And that's extremely important to not be shoehorned into just one scheme, uh, especially when you're playing with Trey Young. You've got to be able to do quite a few things. So uh, last three guys in this grouping is uh, Killian Hayes, Jaden Ivey, and Keegan Murray. Now, Killian Hayes and Jaden Ivey are kind of tied together because Jaden Ivey is the reason that Killian Hayes was dropped 30 spots for both of us. It's just so happened that you had him 20 spots ahead of me in the in the start. So why what should we be expecting from Killian Hayes? Like is he is he going to be like a Delon Wright type of guy where it's like 25 minutes a game but decent assists, steals and free throw percentage or is he too much of a project that isn't going to be prioritized out in Detroit. I don't think there's any concern about him being too much of a project because I don't see Detroit trying to win too many games this year just yet. I I honestly think Killian's going to be really good off the bench. And the reason I think that is he has really no pressure on him anymore with Ivy coming in. We know Ivy's going to start next to uh, Cade. And the pressure should be off of him. The pressure is on K. The pressure is on Jalen Ivy, Jaden Ivy, sorry, uh, to produce and be the future of that backcourt. So Hayes can come in. He can develop at his own pace. He can come off the bench, still play 20 to 24 minutes per game. And he doesn't have to be the guy, you know, that starting one and, and be the guy for Detroit that they were kind of counting on when they drafted him seventh overall in 2020. So a lot of pressures off of him. I'm expecting to see some nice improvement for him. I don't think he's ever going to develop a shot, or at least um, not what we expected that he could potentially do. His jump shot looks like he's years away from from being above average or even competent from the three-point line from off the dribble. Um, but he's still giving you good assists. He's a really solid defender. He's got great size for the point guard position. So the tangibles are there that we want to see, but the production is just not quite following up yet. So that's where I still didn't, again, another guy I don't want to just write off too quick and just dump him down my ranks. Um, just somebody I'm keeping my eye on for right now. For sure. And then Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray, those two guys are just eye of the beholder. You have them higher than I do, which could be right. I just am generally hesitant when it comes to rookies, even though I am quite high on those two. Last section of players, and these are guys that have a ranking outside the top 150 generally. Um, first and foremost is uh, guys like DeAndre Hunter and Dylan Brooks. You have DeAndre Hunter at 125. I have him at 196. If he comes back to the fantasy game that we've seen him have before, then sure, you might be right. But with DeJounte coming to town and Hunter just seemingly not being a priority other than being 3 and D when he's healthy, I have a hard time ranking him that high. Yeah, I have a hard time of getting what I saw last year at the beginning of the year out of my head where he yeah. was just a stud, really consistent, providing you know 15 points a game with a steal, um, really getting after rebounds, making shots, just really efficient player. And I see that in him. That's the guy that they were getting when he came out of college, just a really solid overall wing, can do a little bit of everything for you. Obviously, last year we saw a dip in that production, which was not great to see. His efficiency fell off the table. Uh, but he's only 25 years old, uh, regardless of if the Hawks – uh, want to retain him or move on from him um, or trade him. We'll see. But I, I kind of hope that he can move on to another team 
and maybe establish himself somewhere else where there aren't so so many high usage guys where he can maybe get a little bit more shots, get a little bit more consistent usage, which I think is something that he's missing right now on this Atlanta Hawks team. But his youth and his skill set are what have me keeping him where he's at as far as the dynasty rankings go. Could easily be a player who's better in real life than he is for fantasy, but he has actually shown some fantasy chops. So it'll be interesting to see what his role looks like this year, assuming he can stay healthy. The next biggest uh, difference that we had outside the top 150 was Dylan Brooks. We were 66 spots difference on him. I don't like Dylan Brooks. I don't think he's actually good. I think he just is a product of the Grizzlies not having any wings and they just drafted three of them. They lost the Anthony Melton. So maybe the role won't change that much. I just can't imagine that Dylan Brooks is going to continue to get as many shots and as many minutes as he does. And that's why I have him in the two thirties rather than inside the top 170. Uh, copy and paste that for me as well. <laughs> but the only thing is, I mean, they're they're reluctant to give young guys minutes right now. With Dylan Brooks still there in the fold, he's going to play 26, 27 minutes. And he's, I mean, he's a useful guy to have. I don't love him either. He's still somewhat young. He's a solid defender. He's really improved on the defensive end, actually. Um, so he's going to give you points, three steals. And when, you know when he's in there, he's going to be shooting the, the basketball because he doesn't like to share it. So um <laughs> From a fancy perspective, he gives you the numbers, and that's that's the bottom line with him for me. Uh, shout out Malik Beasley, who's also on this list, who's going to be in a very, very generous uh, situation out <laughs> there in Utah, assuming that he stays there and gets to play. Um, last and certainly not least, there's a couple other guys that are on the list. Uh, Jalen Johnson, we're pretty different on, which, again, that's me with my Nate McMillan tax. Nas Reed, we're pretty different on, but I just think that's a casualty of the Gobert trade. Um, Jaden Hardy, who knows what's going to happen in Dallas. I love Jaden Hardy. It's just hard for me to see a lot of fantasy relevance for him. Um, but the last two guys I want to talk about because they are actually like close to the 150 range and that's John Wall and Clay Thompson. You are about 40 spots higher, uh, both of those guys. And it, does that just tie back into last segment when you were talking about the older guys coming at a premium for you? Yep, exactly that. When we were talking about Westbrook, Conley, Hayward, uh, it's very similar. I have these guys kind of in a similar group where, hey, if you're going for a win now team, you know, these are the guys you're going to reach for in that 140, 150 range. Uh, Clay, I even have inside the top 120 just because I really liked what I saw out of him. Yes, he's coming off two big injuries back to back, but he still is only 32 years old. And he was a really quality player last year. In the 30 games or 30 plus games that he played for Golden State, he averaged 20 points per game over three threes. Uh, and he was just 90% from the free throw line self, like he always is, over 80, 85% or so. Um, so I just, I really liked what I saw out of Clay. I think I have no reason to think he can't do that again for the next couple years uh, and continue with that efficiency from deep. So um, hopefully his steals return. That was the one thing I didn't see out of him was defensively, he did seem a little bit behind. Uh, and that could be potentially due to those injuries, a little bit of fatigue, uh, muscle memory, that sort of thing that hopefully can come back uh, in the next couple of years for him. And as he finishes out his career with Golden State. Yeah, I think the title hangover is going to be real for Golden State. And they have Moses Moody waiting. They have Jordan Poole waiting. They've got Jonathan Kaminga waiting. Like those aren't like a direct one for one swap with Clay, but it's going to matter. I think it's going to matter. And so I think that's where my hesitation with clay is John wall. 
I love John Wall. I've been we've been screaming for two years that he's going to get a buyout and end up going somewhere where he's going to play 25 minutes a game and get like seven assists. And that's what's happened. He's in the Clippers. He might not be efficient, but he also might be a little bit playing next to Kawhi and PG. Um, Not like a positive in either category, but not like a 40 percent from the field and 70 percent from the line type of negative. Um, So I. It's just the health and the fact that the Clippers might not have to prioritize him if he's not a great fit is kind of where my concern is there. We definitely know the clip, the regular season doesn't matter to the Clippers whatsoever. Exactly. Yes. So we're de- that's definitely a huge concern. We've talked on that at lengths with all of these qual, you know, the Anthony Davises, the Kawhi Leonard's, where regular season does not matter to them. So um, that's the biggest concern with Wall. And we don't know what we're going to get out of him. But, I mean, the last time we saw him on the court, he was out there averaging, you know, 20 and seven assists and a steal. So uh, I don't think he can do that with all the mouths to feed with the Clippers. But there's going to be nights where he's going to play and Kawhi's going to sit and vice versa. So he could be out there being, you know, the number two option behind Paul George, uh, which is great to see. And the assists and the points are going to be there. He's always been able to do that. Uh, Hopefully the steals can come along with it. You may have to limit the games played and expect that going in. But again, if you're a win now team and we mentioned it's really hard to find assists outside that top 100, 120. And all of a sudden, here's a guy that can average seven of them for you pretty easily when he is on the court. Uh, it's going to be hard to pass that up when you're trying to win. That's that's essentially why I have him ranked where I do. Again, I can't really argue with that. If I was a contending team in the 150 range and I had a pick and I was looking around, and I saw John Wall there. I would strongly, strongly consider it, especially in those deeper leagues where you're like, all right, well, uh, definitely not going to get seven assists per game from anybody in in this range, um, especially later in the draft. So that is our ranking update about the guys who were the biggest movers and the people we had the biggest differences on. If you want to check out where a specific player is, please be sure to go check out our Dynasty rankings over at sportsethos.com. We will be adjusting things, doing some fine tuning still. It it never stops. Uh, The moves won't stop either. So we'll be sure to adjust that as needed. You can find me on Twitter at Rhett underscore Bauer. You can find Travis at Trav underscore Fuller 92. Yep. Okay. Trav Trav Fuller 92. Yep, been a while since I've had to talk about your your Twitter tag. I should have let you do it, um, <laughs> but we're, we're all good. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. Be sure to check out what we have coming up next, which I think is going to be pretty exciting. We will catch you again next time. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.